Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys are so much fun. Uh, it, it has been a, a while. <clears throat> I thought maybe uh, I had done something um, to Colby or upset him or something. Uh, apparently, uh, that's not true. Uh, so glad to be back with you. Uh, so glad to be here to worship and to join you uh, in the Word. Yeah, thanks. I did. I did. I lost some weight. Thank you for noticing. <clears throat> I uh, appreciate that. I knew that was all on your, on your minds, and uh, uh, I'm glad that you noticed. So uh, I also had started to cut my own hair, uh, so uh, the pandemic uh, has saved me some money. Uh, the, the, I think the way that my, wor- my wife worded it was, well, why are you going there to, to pay for a haircut? It's, it's not like they can do anything with it. <laughs> so and so my head shaved right I lost I was training for this event um, uh, it was called the A100 it's a 100 mile hike in, through the Allegheny Forest and I, and I, I tried to do it last year and uh, did went a little ways uh, I tried to, wanted to go further uh, this time and uh, do it, I do it as a fundraiser for the mission. So if, if you were anybody that, that gave to that, thank you uh, for that, that support. And um, so I'm, I'm training for it. I'm trying to, you know, I'm doing a little intermittent fasting, you know. Anybody into that? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I went to, uh, I, I have a degree in health and physical education. And that's back in the 90s where they said, you know what? If you want to, like, be real healthy and lose weight, eat more often. <laughs> okay, that doesn't seem right, but I'm here to learn, right? <laughs> Turns out, uh, if you don't eat, you lose weight. <laughs> so, there goes my whole education. Thanks, Slippery Rock. So I did that, I'm preparing, so I lost a couple of pounds, right? And I shaved my head. And somebody called me because I do these videos in the morning. And somebody's like, are you okay? Do you have like a disease or something? I'm like, oh, well, that's exactly what you want to hear when you've lost a couple pounds. And then somebody, said, somebody else said, forgive me, I'll get to the Bible, all right? Uh, <laughs> this is a little therapy for myself. Somebody said to me, uh, if you've ever lost a few pounds, and people always want to comment, right? Um, but do they ever say the right thing? <laughs> no, no, because you suck. We all, as human beings, we have, we're really bad at complimenting people, thinking through the compliment before it comes out of your mouth. Oh, I noticed you lost some weight. Um, <clears throat> I noticed in your face. Did you ever get that? Anybody ever get that? I noticed in your face. That, Cause that's exactly where I wanted you to notice. <laughs> yep. You look emaciated in your face now. Okay, thanks. You, are you feeling okay? 
So I got 77 miles this year. That's how far I went. 77 miles. Uh, yeah. I started off at the backpack, you know, and, and I got some consulting from a friend who does like those marathon, the long ones, the ultra marathons. And he says one of the things he eats is uh, oatmeal cream pies. I was like, I love those. So, but I like a simple strategy. So that's all I brought. <laughs> I ate a box of 12 oatmeal cream pies the first day. 50 hours I'm out there, and I had to have somebody meet me to bring me more oatmeal cream pies. 77 miles, I got that. Uh, um, so the first 10 miles I did in two hours. And um, that's five miles an hour, if you're cu curious. So I I'm running through the woods. You know, anybody ever watched Last of the Mohicans? You know, there's that scene. It's an epic scene with the Indian in the woods, and he's running, and his music. That was me. That's what I felt like. Like, I was like, oh, it felt awesome. Uh, and then I, then I ran 10 miles. I was, I was tired. I was like, oh, crap, I have 90 to go. <laughs> Shouldn't have ran. Um, but uh, I thought, I'm only a tenth. And then I got to 33, and I'm like, hmm, that's a third. I got to 50. I was like, that's a half. And I got to thinking about fractions, and I'm like, I hate fractions. I was more of a multiplier. I liked multiplying. You're multipliers? We got some math people I see back there, right? Math teacher, multiplying. I always love multiplying. Multiples of 12. I'm actually going someplace now. Just follow me, all right? Uh, you know, 12, 24, 36, 48, 60, right? Um, 72, 84, 96, right? 108, 120, 132, 1. 44, you know your 12s, right? Boom, just like that. Flashcards, that's what did it for me. If you take 123 and you multiply it by 456, if you do it, you can do it in your head, 56,088. See, I'm good at that, I like that. I enjoyed that, and I loved math until they started putting letters into it, because uh, I wasn't good at reading, and. And that's when algebra got really hard. So I loved multiplying. You know who else loves multiplying? Jesus. <laughs> Spoken like a true church person. I heard Jesus. That's the answer to everything. Well, he multiplied the loaves and the fish, right? He's all about multiplication. The church started and, and people discipled. And he discipled some and then they discipled others. And the church began to grow Multiplication is in the scriptures. It's good. Jesus, I believe, loved multiplication. Tim, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 2, Paul loves multiplication. Whatever you've heard me say, he's telling his listeners, whatever you've heard me say, entrust to reliable people who will entrust to others. That's four generations. Multiplication, right? We see the church grow. They grow, they're added, they like addition, they start adding, but then the church begins to multiply. Do you know by the end of the first century, they think that there were anywhere between 25,000 and 100,000 believers, right? By the end of the first century, so 33 AD, right, around there, Christ goes to the cross, his death, his resurrection. And then the believers in the upper room, and then 
the movement starts and they begin to share in Peter's first sermon and 3,000 come to Christ. You know that first sermon that he gave? That one where, hey, you guys, remember Jesus? He's the Messiah. Second point, you killed him. Third point, you're in big trouble with God. Right? That three-point sermon. 3,000 people cut to the heart. They come to Christ. They give their lives to him and the church explodes into existence. And they begin selling everything that they have. They have this community. They had all things in common. They were what? Together. That word together in that Acts church where they sat together and sang together and had fellowship together means a passionate group moving as one. That's what that word means. And they were a passionate group group together moving as one in one direction with Christ. And the church began to multiply. Do you know by the end of the first century, right, 25,000 to 100,000, do you know by the beginning of the third century, 300 AD, they speculate how many Christians were now, any, any guesses? 20 million. How does that happen? Multiplication. Community from community, from house to house, adding daily, and then those disciples going and taking the message. At times, running for their lives. If you read the book of Acts, they're literally running for their lives. But as they go, they're proclaiming this amazing, joyful message. They're running for their lives, and they're sharing this, the joy of Christ. multiplication. And Jesus talked about it. It grows. It's like yeast. The kingdom is like yeast and it goes through the whole batch of dough. It's like a mustard seed that grows into the largest plant in the garden. It grows. The kingdom grows. The message of Christ is like no other message that has ever existed in the history of the world. It multiplies wherever it lands and takes root. You know what I, you know what I hated? Division. I hated fractions and division, right? I hated that. I, long division. I hate that. Give me the multiplication. I hate division. You know who else hates division? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thanks. <Good> job. <laughs> he hates short division and long division. He hates division. You read the scripture, all these warnings about the division in the church between believers. My favorite fraction in all of fractions, and fractions are kind of like dividing. I don't know, ask the, my buddy back there is a math guy. When they take the whole number over what? One. You divide, divide everything by one, what is it? With whatever the number was, right? Super easy. Love that one. That's correct, right? Right? <laughs> all right, got a thumbs up. <laughs> That would have been a blow to my sermon. It's my favorite fraction. It's only divisible. The church is only divisible by one. The whole church over Christ. That's unity. There was never meant to be division. We were created 
human beings in the image of God for one another. That's what we're made for. We're made to live with one another. Can I get an amen in the house? Yeah, we're made. You know why? Because at the very nature of who God is, is community. The Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and somehow, some way, God, one God, you hear it in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that word one in the Hebrew means like a bunch of grapes is one or a bunch of bananas is one. It's one in unity. God is one in unity. Somehow, God, one God, exists in this plurality of love. I heard Ravi Zacharias ask somebody uh, one time that any other God in history, who was he loving before he created anything? Because we know that the God of Scripture is perfect in perfect love. Because within him, somehow, and I get this question all the time. Anybody ever ask you, well, how is God one and three? Right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I could break it down. Well, it's kind of like water. You know, how water... You've heard that? Water's H2O, but it's like ice, or it's, it's like the liquid, or it's like the gas. See? And we're like, oh, that's a good analogy. Uh, except that kind of breaks down because, I don't know, it's like it's still H2O. Like, how does God exist in three? And the scripture continues. How many people know that the word Trinity is not in the Bible? Right? It's not there. It's just a word that we've... Uh, used to try to describe what the scripture says about who God is. That, that, that Jesus says that he's God and Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come and that's the spirit of God and, and, and that he will point back to the Father who is God and somehow God is God and God is one and God is three. He's unity. And we are created in his image. And we were made and put in the garden. You know this story? Remember this one? Adam and Eve. <laughs> so he placed us in the garden. He made man. And then this really weird thing, he created the... And then he, he said something pretty strange. It is not good for man to be alone. <laughs> it's kind of an ominous, like, whoa. Hey, <laughs> you know, it's really interesting if you read Genesis 1.26... It says, then God said, let us make a man in our image. Who's us? Who's our, right? And we made man, and we're like, oh, it is not good for man to be alone. <laughs> we, I, I think we can do better than this. <laughs> I, it's not what they said. I'm adding commentary, Right? Let's take the basic stuff. Let's go in there, get the rib, and uh, I think we can improve on this model. And now it says, you know, that scripture, and a lot of people argue about, like, well, you know, a helper. You made a helper, right? And, and I don't want you to think like administrative assistant when you hear that, right? I want you to think more like TSS. You know, TSS. <laughs> <laughs> The TSS is the person that really helps the person they're working with stay on track and like they need a lot of help. Okay, 
uh, <laughs> women, you, the scripture says that somehow that us men and women together coming together in community reflect the image of God together. There's not one above another. It is together in the image of God. And I, don't, I still don't understand it, but I know that it's true. I know that God made us for one another. He made us for community, that we were created in his image to reflect to all creation. And what's so fascinating in the Old Testament and in people and cultures, you see temples, right? And in temples, there's two beasts guarding to go into the temple. Not the one in Israel, just any temples you see. There's like a couple of beasts, and you go in there. And then what's inside the temple? There's like a figure like out of stone or something created that's the image of the God, right? And, and our scripture says that we're not to make any engraven images because, you know why that is? Because in the temple, this world, God has already created an image of himself. That's us. And when we decided to try to go our own way, we lost what it truly meant to be human. We lost what it really means to be human, is to reflect the God that made us. And that the only way that we do that really well is when you and I are in community, when we're hanging out and when we're seeing God's image in you and God's image in me and reflecting it back to each other and reflecting it to the world that he created and we're here to steward that creation. God hates division. He wants unity. You know, I'm on this hike, right? And I'm in the woods and I'm somewhere, I don't know, mile 55 or whatever. I'm hurting pretty bad. It's 11 p.m., I'm hiking in the woods, I've got a headlamp on, I've already seen a bear, um, and I know that because uh, it was two big yellow eyes, and then I, when I got Google, when I got, you know, what do they call that? When I got access to the internet, <laughs> uh, I Googled it, and I was like, what animal has big yellow eyes? <laughs> when you shine a light in them, and it's a bear. Bears. Um, it did look higher off the ground than, I, uh, than a raccoon would, and I was like, oh. So I just put in my earbuds with uh, some worship music, and I just sang, which is really bad, and I did it really loudly, um, hoping that that would, so I didn't get eaten. So there, I was, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm hiking, and I got my headlamp, and off in the distance, across the ravine, I, I see this light. And see, there was supposed to be a big event. It's called the A100, and there's 140 people that joined it last year, and 17 of them made it, you know, all 100 miles uh, in, in 50 hours is the challenge. And, uh, and then this year, they postponed it till August, and then um, a couple of weeks, I don't know, they canceled it. And I was like, well, they didn't close the trail. I'm going anyways by myself, because that is smart. And uh, I see this light across the ravine. And I was like, 
a person. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't like, you know, you know, no, if people want to like, no, they don't necessarily want to have a conversation, right? So I'm just hiking along. And apparently he sees my light and he says, hey. I was like, hey. He's like, where, where are you going? I guess I don't have to shout, but this is how it went, right? It was a big ravine. I was like, well, I'm headed to Marionville. He's like, wow, that's a really long ways away. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And we had a chat. We chatted for like 20 minutes across this ravine, shouting at each other. Uh, and uh, I saw his light, and he saw mine. And I thought, how, how important is it for us when we feel alone, when we feel like we're alone in the struggle, and, and, and everything hurts, and it's painful to take another step, and then all of a sudden, somebody else comes in and acknowledges your pain and, 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 and shouts to you. And, and that's what I feel like is going on right now. Uh, not just because I'm shouting at you, because we can't touch each other. <laughs> it just sucks. I'm a hugger, man. Like, and if it was up to me, like everybody, we'd all have COVID-19. It would be bad, right? Because I, I am like one of those people that knows a lot of people, and I like to hug people. And if they look for the person that spread the virus, <laughs> would be me. that would be me. So I'm like doing my, you know, I'm doing my due diligence because I don't want that. And, but it's hard. So I feel like we're trying to connect. But in the midst of your struggle, when you're real and feeling really lonely and somebody acknowledges what's going on and they, they come in and they, they speak life. They don't even know it. But they are the image bearers of God that are coming in and speaking life into you just to acknowledge come alongside you and say, yeah, this sucks. The power of that, we miss that. And if this hasn't taught us anything, it better teach us that we are in desperate need of each other, even if they're politically on the other side. <laughs> so like, we desperately need, there, there are Christians on the other side politically. What? what? Can I tell you a little secret? Most of my life, I was a Republican. <laughs> I wanted to see how that went. <laughs> so, uh, and then I switched. I also wanted to see how that went. So, and depending where, depending on where I say that, people are like, what is your problem? Uh, actually, most places I go to, I say that whole phrase, that's what I get. <laughs> and you know what? I don't care. I do not care. My friend ran for mayor, Joe Schember, and I was a Republican, but I couldn't vote in the primary, and I wanted to. So I was like, I don't care. Now I'm a Democrat. And guess what? If I want to vote for somebody else, I'm just going to switch because I don't care. Because it's stupid. 
It's, all st- it's just somebody made up some stupid system, and now we fight about it. And we've only, and we've only been here not even 300 years. If the aliens came back and took us over, then we wouldn't have this place, but Jesus would still be important. <laughs> but we would forget about this whole stupid system that we have. And that's not stupid. It's important. There's good things about it. It's a great country. I'm glad I live here. But we, we put it out of context because the people around you matter. Don't get it upside down. I think that's the point, right? I think I have a scripture. <laughs> Do we have that? To me, this, uh, is it? Oh, I can't see it. <laughs> Can it go behind me too? Or I could look it up. No, we can't do that. <laughs> I'm just going to go over here. There's a scripture on either side. <laughs> this is what Paul says. This is verse 10 in, in the chapter 1. I appeal, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. That seems like a tall order. And what you say... And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Oh, man. Next. My brothers and sisters, some of uh, Chloe's household, it's a ha- uh, house church, uh, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. That doesn't happen in church. Uh, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas, that's Peter. And, and still another, I follow Christ. Those are the real Christians. Those are the real christian ones. Well, I don't follow those guys. I just follow Jesus. Um, but the way they say it, it's the way they say it. 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Is that it? The answer uh, is no, by the way. So we'll pick leaders, and he's saying, like, there's these factions among you. Christians have already started to divide. Well, I, you know, Peter came through, and I, I follow that guy because he's right. And, well, I follow Paul or Apollos. Or, and then the, the real, you know, pious are like, well, I follow Jesus. And, again, like, we know those folks too, right? And that's correct. You should follow Jesus, and that's Paul's point, right? But I get the sense that that's not how they're saying it. But there's these divisions. Do you, can you imagine that Christ is looking down and like, man, I am so glad they have denominations. <laughs> I'm really glad that they split everything up like that. That seems a lot more efficient. That, that's a, that, you know what? That's a better way to do things, uh, to have you all arguing with each other about the non-essentials. Wait, you, you mean to tell me you all believe in the Apostles' Creed? That there is one God and one Holy Spirit and Christ? And uh, Oh yeah, we all recite that. Okay. 
then what are we, what are we arguing about? <laughs> oh, whether you dunk them or you sprinkle them? <laughs> That's, okay. All right. Uh, think about all the, I had a conversation with somebody. I was using the Bible on this thing. Anybody have U version Bible? Right? Yeah. I, I was like, oh, just let me look that up. And they were like, I don't think that's the real Bible. <laughs> well, so far I've checked all the words and it's exactly the same as the other one I have that's heavy. Yeah, but it's, you know, you don't, you don't get the, you don't get, you can't memorize like what page it's on and mark it up. And I'm like, I wonder if they had the same argument back when they went from the scroll to the book. You, you, can't, you can't look at enormous portions of Scripture at one time. And then I was like, you know what's a lot like the scroll? The Bible app. It's just dumb. So why do we do that? There's all kinds of reasons. We did, I don't have time. I'm telling too many stories. But what, is, what does Paul say? He's like, see, this is dumb. And my second point, really, I don't know if I have my points here. You're like, what was his first point? <laughs> I know you're thinking. Of, my, my first point was my favorite fraction. <laughs> The second one is that division's for babies. Paul says in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, I can't address you as spiritually minded people. I have to address you as mere infants. Because you're, he's like, what is Paul? What is Apollos? They're just servants. One planted, one watered, but it's God that makes it grow. Paul's saying like, yeah, I'm an apostle, but... That means sent one. That's what it means. I'm just sent. He's like, I'm not any different. He actually calls himself the chief of sinners. He's like, I'm better than you because I was worse. <laughs> no, he, he's boasting about how bad his life was and how much Christ has saved him. He's like, we're just servants. There's nothing that he has or Apollos has that gives them any more authority than the rest of us have, other than we just, they knew Christ and they're sharing it with us. What else are we going to let come between us? The only thing that really helps us in this whole matter, the only way that we as a church get past these things is to embrace exactly what Paul and Jesus and, and Peter and Apollos were talking about is that the way in is, is surrender, is humility. The way that we access isn't fighting and being right, it's humility. And Jesus would say, hey, you know, why are you judging somebody else? You're making all this effort to get that speck out of somebody's eye and here the whole time you get a big tree coming out of your face. 
That's my translation of it. It's like you have a log or a plank in your own eye. You're trying to get that piece of sawdust out. Deal with the plank. If we all just dealt with the plank, it's going to go much better for all of us. You're going to work together. Maybe I can help you get the plank out if we realize that we have one too. There's a John Maxwell leadership guy. He says, if you remain teachable, your potential is practically limitless. That's, that's humility. Paul says it, I boast in my weakness because when I am weak, then I am strong. We access the kingdom in all of its power when Jesus says, that without him you can do nothing, but with God, what? All things are possible. The way that we access that is through humility, surrender. We all have access to that power together. That's, but the only way we get there is when we realize what a mess we are. And when we're grateful about what Christ has done, because we've seen the big mess that we're in, then it's way easier to be in community because you realize God's working on you for different things than he's working on me for, and I'm gonna be patient with what he's working with you, even though it annoys me, and, and, and you, my stuff probably annoys you, and, but you're gonna be patient with me because I hope so. I mean, it's a lot, right? It's a big mess. Um, Jesus got a lot of work to do, Why? What's the point of community? So we need it. We access it only through humility and surrendering our lives to Christ. And so what's the answer to this math problem? Jesus says in John 17, I, don't, I won't have it up there, John 17, 23, if you weren't taking notes. Jesus says in his prayer, he's praying for those that will be disciples and those that will be disciples, all of us, eventually. Jesus says, I in them and you, he's talking to God, the Father, and you in me, so that they will be brought to complete unity. Then, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The best way that we tell the world about who Jesus is, the best way to do evangelism is that we love one another, that we come to complete unity, that we recognize God's work in you and God's work in me, and that we are a collection of a bunch of misfits put together to love one another through the mess in order for the world to say, what is going on over there? You, you mean to tell me that Democrats and Republicans are in the same place talking to each other and loving each other? Because I tell you what, they are not saying that right now. 
They are not saying that right now. And that's just one thing that people disagree about, right? You know, Paul's addressing leaders, like don't follow this Christian leader or that Christian leader or this Christian leader. He didn't even decide or address, like, leaders that aren't particularly Christian, that we're, for some reason, giving all kinds of sway to over our lives. Unity. For what purpose? To let the world know. There's this really weird, I'm going to end with this, maybe. There's this, <laughs> there's this really weird scripture in Genesis chapter 11, I think it's verse 6. You can look it up. It's about the Tower of Babel, right? And they're building this, these people are building this tower, right, up to heaven. And God's nervous because, like, I don't know, that they're going to make a really amazing building all the way up to him. And, and he's like, this is not good. We're going to confuse them. Divide up the languages. Why? Why? It says, because under the same language, there's nothing they won't be able to accomplish. The problem was their lives weren't surrendered to Christ. They weren't out for God. It was evil hearts directed together. And he's still saying there's nothing they couldn't accomplish, but it's going to end badly because their intentions weren't good. And I think to myself, what could happen if us, under the direction of Christ in our lives and the church, what could happen? I believe that it's actually true that all things are possible with God. I believe that baked in and built into the image bearers of God is this incredible ability that we don't even realize that we have. And there's amazing things that you can do together when you come together. You've had that experience in a good team, in a sports team, or at work, or whatever it is. But imagine a group of people surrendered to Christ and doing his will and under his direction and in the lead of the Holy Spirit, out of love, what could be accomplished so that the world would know. God, so that the world would know, that's what Jesus prays, that you sent me. I think about that scripture where Paul's kind of, the Corinthians, he's busting their chops about how they're doing communion, and there's rich people and poor people coming into the community and the, the rich have gotten there early and they've consumed everything and a bunch of them are drunk and, and, and the poor people that probably are working later get there and there's nothing left and they don't have anything and, and, and he's scolding them. How dare you despise the church? The church is about unity. He's like, let me remind you. And then he goes into the thing. That night when Jesus betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. This is my body broken for you. This is new covenant in, the, in, this, in my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me and everything that I've commanded you. On that night that he was betrayed, that they do in the, in the book of John, Jesus takes off his towel and he gives them an example and he washes their feet. And he said, now go and do this. And the way that we win, the way that we fix this church is three things. 
One, we listen. We start listening to each other. And not long enough to develop a rebuttal to their view. I mean listen. Stephen Covey says, seek first to understand and then to be understood. To listen. Proverbs tells us that the the wise listen and add to their learning. That's, if you're just talking and arguing, you're not learning. You're not seeing it from somebody else's perspective. You're not learning about the world or where they come from or their story or anything about them. You have to listen. You have empathy. I had a coach, uh, and I told this story before, I had a coach uh, in high school. I had a really crappy game where they tried to throw me the ball, and every time it got to me, it bounced off my face. And I thought, I'll never play again. Coach Bob Young from Jerry McLean slid into my seat, sat with me. He was like, that was a bad game. I've had those. If you want to serve somebody, if you want to be Christ to somebody, slide into the seat next to them. Meet them right where they're at. And say, yeah, this sucks. This is bad. And the third thing that we do is serve. And as Jesus did, we take that towel, wrap it around our waist, and we kneel down before somebody and we serve them. And I don't mean you choosing how you're going to serve people. I mean finding out what people's needs actually are and doing that. And that's not easy. But that's how that's how we win. That's the power of Christ. We listen. We empathize. And we serve. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray we have a a rocky road ahead of us and, and we can't do this without you. But we know your word says that with you all things are possible. If we remain in you, you told us to ask for whatever it is that we would have and you would give that. We desire complete unity in the body of Christ to listen to empathize and to serve those, whether they look like us or they look different, whether they believe like us or they believe different. That we could learn and grow to be more like you. And God, I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, but you want to start that relationship because you know that's the beginning of the journey, and you're ready, you've heard the whole message, Christ gave his life for you, to rescue you, paid for your sin on the cross so that you could be with him in eternity. If, if you're ready to surrender, to step into humility and give up your life for his will for your life, if that's you tonight and you want to do that, just put your hand up real quick. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. I'm so grateful for those that are ready to surrender, to step into your will and to follow you. 
uh, that you would you would bring your image to bear on them that you would draw it out God that you forgave their sins tonight and you wash them clean and they have freedom in you and we praise you for that as we continue to move forward that we would reflect your love to a world that is in desperate need of it we pray this Jesus in your name Amen Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast and we hope you really enjoyed it If you made a decision to follow Jesus congratulations welcome to the family We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.